for an opening text. Hopefully, uh, the message that uh, that we have will uh, be one of encouragement um, uh, and help you today. And um, uh, it, um, it 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 helped me a little bit as as the Lord was directing this in my mind and my spirit as it was coming together. But Luke chapter twenty four, and we're going to be reading verses thirteen through twenty one. And then, um, I, then we're going to read more of it, but uh, we're going to kind of break it, break it up, and not read it all at, at the very beginning, because uh, I don't normally read this much scripture at first. But um, I think this whole narrative here needs to be read uh, so we can get the picture out. Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas said, answered him and said to him, Are you only a only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and all of our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21 says, But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be in your presence today. We thank you, God, for those who have chosen to join themselves together. We pray, God, for those who are not here today, Lord, some working, some on vacation uh, still and different things. We pray for each and every one. But now as we come together, God, Sit down at the table, God, to take upon your word. I ask, Father, that you will speak to us, that you will feed us, God. Let it be encouraging, strengthening to our, to our spiritual man. And everything's accomplished. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, Never Walk Away from Hope. Never Walk Away from Hope. The scripture verses that I have read today is some scriptures that normally is read, talked about sometime during the, uh, the Easter season. But as I was praying and seeking the Lord, these, this passage just kept coming right up before me in my mind. And I, I was 
to be honestly, I was working on something else uh, and uh, trying trying to get something else together. But this was just so strong, and particularly the part on verse 21 when Jesus was talking to two of the disciples who was on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, for they said we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Uh, and I and I says, okay, Lord, I, you know, what do you have here? And this thought came into my mind, never walk away from hope. I want every everyone to imagine with me for just a brief moment what it must have been like to have followed Jesus during the first three and a half years of his ministry. Just stop and think about those first three and a half years. Uh, Brother Bobby uh, did a lesson on, on the beginning of that today as, as he was hot talking about how he he came to um, uh, the Twelve, and uh, they were there um, uh, around the shores of Galilee, and some of them were mending their nets and um, doing various things. And Jesus, as he walked by, spoke to them and different ones and says, Come and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. That began the ministry, the earthly ministry of the Lord. And as they begin to go out and go from place to place and, and just uh, kind of put this in your mind, if you can, and, and imagine how, how that, what that must have been like. Because they went from that first 12 to within just a short period of time, not very long, there were thousands of people following Jesus. Their needs were being met. Everything from being healed. People were healed miraculously of all kind of things. There was all kind of deliverance. Demons were being cast out of people. Blinded eyes. People were watching as people who had been blind all their life. Their eyes was open, lame. People made walk. Uh, and even when they were out in the wilderness of the desert places and people began to get faint from hunger because they had been following the Lord and not had anything in to eat, there was miraculous provisions of food uh, made, supplies of food when they, uh, they were hungry. Now, so in those early days and in those three years, a little over three years, in their minds, Jesus must have been the one foretold about. I mean, some of them are thinking, you know, my parents told me about the Messiah coming. My grandparents told me. We've read about it. We've heard about it. And all this we're seeing, things taking place all around them. And, 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 uh, and they says, this has got to be the foretold one. Finally, the king would set up a kingdom without any Roman oppression and the normal suffering that they had to have been enduring through life. I mean, they went to a, 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 a utopia-type situation. 
I mean, all their needs being met, everything was great. The Bible said in the early days, amen, that they had favor with everybody, amen, and everything was going so good, amen, and the church was a-growing and a-growing, amen, and it looked like that they literally was going to have heaven on earth. Nothing up to that time had ever been like it. And even the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem on what has been called now that we call Palm Sunday, they entered and the whole city came together and throwing palm branches down in their clothes as Jesus came riding into Jerusalem as we call the triumphal entry. And they were crying out, Hosanna, amen, Hosanna to the King. I mean, everybody was filled with excitement, enthusiasm. I mean, they was just, oh, man, I, I, I can't begin to imagine the feelings of joy. Amen. It was, it, was a, it was a spiritual type of high that none of them had been on before. But then all... In one night, in one night, in the middle of a garden prayer meeting, it all fell apart. The soldiers come. They took Jesus away. Some of them followed afar off while others were scattered. And they stood from a distance and watching with disillusionment and confusion. What in the world is going on? And then, as they heard the decree when Pilate said, what will you have me do with this Jesus? And just a week earlier, all oh, the city who was crying Hosanna, the same people were saying away with him and crucify him. What has happened to the dream? What is going on? And then the hand few, mostly the ones who were closest to him, like Mary Magdalene and Mary, Jesus' mother, and, and John, stood off in the crowds, in the edge of the crowds, watched him being whipped to within an inch of his life watched him carry the cross until he could not carry the weight of it no longer. And then Simon from Cyrene helped pick up the cross. Then seeing him cry out, 
My God, my God. Why has thou forsaken me? Jesus was not the only one that day who felt forsaken. All those people who were there watching the healings, watching, oh, can you imagine what it was like, Brother Ricky? The day that Jesus stepped out in the, in the graveyard and told them to roll Lazarus' stone away. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the word says, he who was bound in grave clothes came out. Now you've heard, I've preached on that before. And I believe this. If he was bound hand and foot, when he came out of the grave, there's only two ways he could have come out. He had to come out hopping like this, or he had to literally become floating out. And I believe he came floating out of that tomb. That's what I believe. And if you were in that crowd, and you personally witnessed all of that, you saw all the things that has happened. But now, as... He's hanging on the cross. Some people think a man dying by crucifixion dies from a loss of blood, but that's not true. If you study on crucifixion, you know that a person who dies by a cross dies from asphyxiation because that the way that they was, it is said that they, they had to push up to be able to exhale the air out of their lungs. That's the reason why when it was getting close to time for sun going down that they commanded them to go out and break the legs of the three men on the cross to finish the job. The reason why they broke their legs is once they took something and broke their legs, they couldn't push up no more. And they would automatically, it would be over with. But see, Jesus was already dead. He gave up the ghost. And they were standing by. And they watched all of this. And then for three days, silence as the disciples hid out, fear, engulfed them. What are we going to do now? As Brother Bobby talked about, some of them says, man, walked away from the best paying job I ever had. I gave this up. I gave that up. Some of them even asked Jesus one time, says, what will we get? those of us who have given up everything for you. They've given up everything for the Lord, but now it all seemed like it was falling apart. 
because they took the body down from the cross, put it in that borrowed tomb, rolled that massive stone over, and walked away. And there they was. And three days later, two of them decided to leave Jerusalem. And they were slowly walking along that long, dusty, seven-mile, about a seven-mile journey out of Jerusalem to Emmaus. Hallelujah. Everything had fallen apart. And even after the resurrection, get this, people, even after the resurrection, there were some who were shaken so badly by their hurts that they were walking away from the hope that they once had. These two men walking to Emmaus, they had done heard, and we're going to get into this, I'm going to read this, they done heard that they found the tomb empty. But still, because they had been hurt so deeply and they had been so confused, they were walking away. They chose to walk away from the hope that, that was put inside them. I want to tell you some things today, church. we got to understand, as soon as we start to make this road from earth to heaven, and we start to make heaven our home. Number one, it's God's way and God's time. That's the first thing that I want to share with you. It's God's way and God's time. There is a very important lesson taught in Scripture that we as humans have difficulty in dealing with. We want things to be the way that we imagine they should be. And we deceive ourselves into thinking that unless it happens the way that we think it should be, that it will never work out and everything will be lost. Got this thing all figured out. How many times you ever figured out something, or at least you thought you did? Maybe somebody else coming over here with another point of view. Maybe you get a little upset about that because you got it figured out. Unless it happens the way I got it figured out, it's not going to work right. You know. That's the way we as human people, human beings think sometimes. But we got to realize something. That it's not going to be my way. It's not, it's not Sammy Pruitt's way. It's not, it's not Sammy Pruitt's time. It's God's way and God's time. And until we can get that into our mind and our spirit, we're going to continually be let down and get upset, amen, about things that happen and things go on, hallelujah, because we preconceive in our own minds and in our own thoughts that this is going to be this way, that's going to be that way, hallelujah, but it's not my way, it's not your way, it's God's way and God's time, can I get an amen? 
Isaiah 55. And now I'm going to tell you what sometimes this verse, this verse of Scripture has offended me. Because sometimes I think, well, Lord, man, I've been preaching for a long time. I ought to understand some things but now. But all the time, God lets me know, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. Hallelujah. We have got to come to the place that is Jesus, and it's not us. What did they tell Jesus? And they didn't even know it was Jesus as he was walking with them, as, as the two disciples was walking away from their hope. They thought, says, we had hoped that this guy was going to be it. We had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. Well, let me tell you something, church. Christ indeed had come to redeem the people, but not the way that they had thought he would do it. His kingdom would be established on the earth, but in the time that he was ready, not their time. Now I'm going to go back to Luke 24, and I'm going to pick up at verse 22 and read the rest of the narrative of this story. As these two men were still talking to Jesus, One of them says, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Think about that. Somebody there had a witness Somebody had a testimony that they had seen the risen Savior. But yet these two guys were still walking away from their hope. What does that sound like? I tell you, it sounds like me. That sounds like some of us. Hallelujah. Let me read on. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, and I can see Jesus kind of shaking his head, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded in them all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. 
bear with me with the tears in my eyes as I'm reading this. I'm hardly having, having a hard time reading it. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with him, that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked with him on the road and while he opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, as, as appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I praise God today that everybody, it doesn't matter how, how far in sin and out in the world that somebody might be, when the Word of God is broken as the bread of God today, hallelujah, He becomes real to us and alive to us. And we know that He is alive indeed. And there's no reason for anybody to ever walk away from their hope. The second part I want to talk to you about is stay connected to the anchor. Stay connected to the anchor. Why am I talking about an anchor all of a sudden? Well, the book of Hebrews chapter 6 Verses 17 through 19. The writers of Hebrews says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, that means unchanging things, things that can't change, things that's impossible to change, in which it was impossible for God to lie. That's one reason why you should never walk away from your hope. Has God ever told you anything? Has God ever made a promise to you? Has God ever spoke to you? The Word says that it's impossible for Him to lie. We might have a strong we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay upon the hope set before us. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which into that within the veil. Church, God is telling us today that we need to stay connected to the anchor and the hope that God has put within us. That is our anchor today. That is what we hold on to. Like the song is such a darling saints, the anchor holds. Though the ship is battered, I stand before you today a battered and a bruised man 
feet and how I can go on. But I refuse to walk away from the hope that God has placed in my heart and in my life for a ministry and for a people. And I know it's impossible for God to lie. If you're not connected to the anchor, your life will start drifting. Amen. Hallelujah. We got to be connected to that anchor to keep us from from drifting, to keep us, amen, where we should be, amen, in the place. God wants to take us. I'm going to close by reading to you something from John Maxwell. He's a well-known conference speaker. Goes all over the country conducting seminars at churches and many events and crusades about leadership and he talks especially to the leadership of those as leadership in the church. And this is what Mr. Maxwell has to say about hope. Hope shines brightest when the hour is the darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Let me tell you something, folks. Whoever you may be are, Don't never let the devil trick you in becoming bitter at anybody in the body of Christ about anything. Hallelujah. We've even had, we've had some that have failed the leadership of God to go other places. And they won't be going into the direction like we're going. They won't, might not be on the same boat, but it don't mean that they ain't headed for the same shore. Hallelujah. So you cannot allow yourself to become bitter. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Sometimes I've been guilty of crying out to God, God, where is the evidence of what you've been saying? I don't see evidence, God. Huh? But Hebrews 11 1 told us about that, didn't it? Hallelujah. Hope listens for answers when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. 
Hope endures hardship when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses toward victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. And finally, hope brings the victory even when no one is winning. Folks, we cannot walk away from our hope. Those two disciples, even though they had had a witness that the tomb was empty, And that some of them had even seen angels and visions. But yet, whatever the reason, they decided to walk away from their hope. Thank God. This is something that Mr. Maxwell didn't didn't write about hope. But this is something the Spirit of God just instilled in my heart. That it hope I even chase after you when you're trying to run away. greatest day for you, the greatest days for CFC is in the future, not in the past. And some of my difficult and hardest hours, what keeps me standing with the shepherd's staff in my hand is the chief shepherd who speaks to me through his word. And let me tell you this. There's one thing there's one thing I've tried to be an example to you as is that we got to stay humble. We got to stay humble before God. We cannot allow ourselves at any time to be puffed up. 
listen, there's a whole, there's a, there's a whole hodgepodge of titles that has legally and rightfully been put to me. But you don't, when you see something written with Sammy Pruitt, you don't see that title there. You don't see a church sign with Bishop Sammy Pruitt or Dr. Sammy Pruitt. Because I, I mean, I could do that legally. I, I've, 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 I've got two doctorate degrees. But it, I don't try to lift me up because it's not about me. It's all about him. And I've heard, I've heard it said. And please, please, if the Lord delays his coming, and if I go by the way of the grave, and one day you pass by the box that's holding the house, not me, but the house that I used to live in. I don't want to be known. I don't want nobody to see and point at me and say, there was a man of God. I don't want nobody to tell that to me because that is not what I work for and live for. If you call me anything, I don't want to be known by a man of God, but I'd rather be known by a man who loved God. There is a man who loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and body. And he never did back up from that. Hallelujah. And that way I give my glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why the anointing runs in my life and in this church as long as we keep that humility. Let's all stand.